0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.
1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is green and gold history <laughs> 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. These are the world champion. Baseball. This is Green and Gold History.
0: This episode of Green and Gold History is presented by New Era. New Era Cap is proud to be the official cap of your Oakland Athletics. Next time you visit the Coliseum, be sure to drop by the New Era Cap stand to pick up your A's New Era Authentic Collection cap. Remember, you can always visit us at newera.cap.com to shop our latest selection, including our limited edition and exclusive drops. New Era Cap, the official on-field cap of Major League Baseball. All righty, this is going to be a special top 10 in honor of our great friend Ray Fossey, who we're all praying for, and hopefully we'll be back sooner than later. And also we'll throw in the likes of the Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley. It's going to be top 10 guys who played for the Indians and the Oakland Athletics, but you always start with your honorable mention.
2: Yeah, I mean these are two of the founding franchises in the American leagues. So was definitely been some crossover, and we'll we'll concentrate on the, the players who played for the Oakland A's and and the Cleveland Indians. But if you go back in the history books, you know you're just mentioning these great Philadelphia A's who're going into the A's Hall of Fame. Uh, Nap Lajoie, who was the original Philadelphia A in 1901, uh, he jumped from the National League from the Phillies to play with the A's, uh, and then the Phillies sued, and so it turned out that the Supreme Court in Philadelphia said, okay, Nap you it's fine. You can be on the A's, but you're not allowed to play a professional baseball game in Philadelphia, which would have made it tough for him to continue to be in A's. So he ended up going to Cleveland, and uh, he had a Hall of Fame career, obviously great in Cleveland. They called the, the, the ball club there the Cleveland Naps for 12 seasons when he was there. That's how he was beloved. There's also Roger Maris, who played for both clubs. Uh, Roger with the Kansas City A's, Satchel Paige with the Kansas City A's, and, and the Cleveland Indians, so some great crossovers with some historic names, and also Rocky Calavito, who just uh, celebrated his 88th birthday yesterday. He had 34 homers for the 64 Kansas City A's and had a great career in Cleveland. So some of the older guys, and then some of our honorable mentions who don't make this list, and this list has more of a story aspect to it, maybe, than, than most, but some other guys who deserve to be mentioned, Milton Bradley, Tom Candiotti, Mudcat Grant, and in recent times, Nick Swisher and Rajay Davis.
0: You want a little uh, Kansas City A's knowledge? Hit me. So my grandfather, Bob Elliott, was hired to be the manager of the Kansas City Athletics in 1960. He's driving from San Diego to Kansas City. He shows up in Kansas City. And Charles Finley, Charlie Finlay has told him he's traded Roger Maris to the Yankees. How do you think the relationship went after that?
2: Oh, man. Let's take one of the best upcoming stars and get rid of him on a, on a bad A's team. That That's brutal. That's a brutal way to start your manager career with the A's.
0: Let's just say the very next year, my grandfather was the first ever first base coach for the Angels. <laughs> He left. He, he couldn't get out. He couldn't get away from Charlie Finley fast enough. Yes, my grandfather managed the A's in 1960. Nice. All right, number ten.
2: Number ten is is one of my favorites. If you were around in the Billy Ball eras of the A's, it's Cliff Johnson. Uh, Cliff Johnson, Heath Cliff, uh, his nickname was. He was a, a catcher, first baseman, DH with the Yankees. And it was actually on their World Series teams. But he gets into a, a, a brawl in the clubhouse with Goose Gossage and severely injures Goose Gossage's thumb. So you can imagine George Steinbrenner not happy about that. And quickly, Cliff Johnson is sent to Cleveland. And he flourishes in Cleveland, right? In 79, in the last 72 games, he hits 18 home runs. Things are good. In nineteen eighty he's having a good year, but he traded to the Cubs. Still, full year, twenty-four homers, eighty-nine run batted in. Billy Martin loved Cliff Johnson. So now he saw a chance to, to get him and add him to this eighty-one A's team who needed a right-handed hitting D H. They still had Mitchell Page from the left side, but they needed somebody from the right side. So he went with Cliff Johnson and in eighty one, Cliff was great. This is a strike shortened year. Still at seventeen homers, an eight oh five OPS and just Gary and the one thing that Cliff Johnson did still to this day watching baseball as long as I have no one could swing and miss and throw the bat as far as Cliff Johnson did I mean they would easily clear the third base coaching box that's how far you could throw the bat
0: yeah hurting a star closer is really playing out good for your career
2: no, no, and it's interesting too, reading some of the stories about it. Mickey Morabito, the A's current traveling secretary, was the Yankee PR guy at the time. and it was Mickey's job to write the press release about how Cliff Johnson hurt goose Gossett in the shower and is now being sent to Cleveland.
0: That's unbelievable. Number nine.
2: Number nine, one of uh, one of my favorites is Jason Giambi. Um, and we know about his A's career. Uh, which was fabulous, an MVP award, should have won two. Um, but he actually ended his year, his career with the Indians, and it's kind of interesting how he got there. He was with the Colorado Rockies after he left the A's in 09. Um He's with the Rockies for, for three seasons. And at the end of the 2012 season, he actually interviews to be the manager of the Rockies, and which would have been an awesome choice. Jason would make a great manager. He understands the game. He also understands the players of the game. And he would have been just, he would have been tremendous. But he doesn't get the job. It actually goes to another former athletic, Walt White. So Jason says, well, if I'm not going to be a manager, I might as well keep playing. And Terry Francona, who just loved the idea of having a Jason Giami on his bench at Cleveland, adds Jason to the team. And he's, he was terrific. He was like an extra coach and a skilled pinch hitter. He had three pinch-hit home runs in 2013 for for Cleveland, two of which were walk-offs. And if you go back on YouTube and, and look at Tom Hamilton, the great radio announcer for Cleveland, see his calls with Jason Giambi's walk-off, they're legendary. So not really known as being an Indian, but he had a great impact on an Indian team that would eventually become a postseason team.
0: Did I ever tell you about the time Jason Giambi hit like a 600-foot home run off of me in college?
2: I think I've heard that story.
0: Yeah still hasn't landed. Uh you, you know when 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 was he back cuz we we interviewed him. Do you remember what 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 was the tr- what, what were we honoring when he came back?
2: So that was the 50th anniversary team in 2018 when he was back.
0: So uh, it was like I thought you know I thought for sure he was going to be a manager and then all of a sudden he started having kids and you know he, he made enough money he's not worried about it but I'm like you. I thought he'd be a – I think he'd be a great manager, but now it sounds like he's just having fun being dad.
2: Yeah, he's being a dad, and he's also – he's got a hitting clinic in Vegas. And he's worked with some of the biggest hitters going right now, Joey Gallo, Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper. Uh, he's worked with Nolan Arenado. Uh Some of the biggest offensive players in the game have worked with Jason Giabi in Vegas. And, I mean, having Jason as a hitting coach – And anyway, Jason was so smart baseball-wise. He understood what pitchers were trying to do to get him out and how to combat that. He's been through everything. I still think when his kids get older, which uh, another few years now, I think he's going to look back to getting in the game. And I think he's going to be a tremendous manager.
0: Worst thing that ever happened to him, not financially, but the worst thing that ever happened to him was going to Yankee Stadium. Because now he got away from who he was being a hitter that had power to all fields right? He was gap to gap. He could hit it out. He just became a pole hitter. It changed his game.
2: It did. It did. He became that short porch guy. Um, and you know, he went to Yankee stadium and went to the Yankee, you know, it was a lot on him to, to join this Yankee team, which was still a, a fantastic Yankee team after losing the 2001 world series, they lost in 2002 in the postseason. Um, But Jason was thought of he was going to be the next great Yankee. He was going to go to the Hall of Fame as a Yankee. There was so much pressure on him. And he had a really good Yankee career, not a superstar Yankee career. He had a couple 40-homer seasons. He had some injuries. Uh, He just was never quite the player he was in Oakland. And I think he hit it on the head. He changed the way he swung the bat.
0: All right, number eight.
2: Number eight. This is
0: Miguel Delaney.
2: This name, does this ring any bells for you, County?
0: Not one.
2: So, Miguel Villanay, and for me, 11-year-old kid, he was a small outfielder, but he could fly, speedy. And you know when you're a kid and you see somebody who can run as fast as any, any you know, you watch, like watching Starly Marte now. It's just, it's so exciting to see a guy run that fast. And that was Miguel Pellanet. Uh And in 1978, on a bad A's team, he stole 50 bases. Didn't hit for much. He had two twenty nine, but stole fifty bags. This is Miguel Delaney. So nineteen seventy nine rolls around. Jim Marshall is the A's manager, and Miguel Delaney is not getting any playing time. And this is on a terrible A's team. And so Miguel Delaney is not happy. He would, when he wasn't in the starting lineup, he wouldn't even wear his jersey. He would wear a warm up jacket and no jersey underneath, thinking he was never going to play. So. Now it's June. The A's call up Ricky Henderson. And Miguel Delaney is pissed. And he literally, in Ricky's debut it's a double letter against Texas, Texas. before the first game, he actually goes after Jim Marshall with a baseball bat in the dugout. That's how upset Miguel Delaney was about playing time and Ricky being called up and playing ahead of him. Uh,
0: okay, I, I, I was a little kid. But I want to meet this guy. This guy says, <laughs> I love this guy.
2: So, Jim Marshall, terrible manager, terrible manager. Uh, they had a great quote, though, afterwards. He said, it's just the frustrations of a young man wanting to play badly. Now he's ha- now he has his chance at AAA. Wow. Good dig. Good dig by Jim Marshall. So, a week later, after Miguel Dilané gets sent down to Ogden, he sold to the Cubs, and then the Indians purchased person- ship purchase him in 1980. So now he's got a chance to play. Miguel Dullanay hits 341 for the Indians with an 800 OPS and steals 61 bases. He even receives MVP votes. Miguel Dullanay, a little whippet of a guy. He would end up playing with Cleveland until 1983, bounced around in the big leagues stage five, but never reaching the heights of a 341 season with the Indians, and as a young A's fan, I'm like,
0: how could you get rid of Miguel He's since 341? Triple-A was in Ogden, Utah? Ogden,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's where Ricky got called up from.
0: Wow, because I remember uh, they became like the king of the, uh, they were the Ogden Raptors. They were the king of uh, independent baseball, like in the 90s. Never thought that they would be actual Triple-A. All right, number seven.
2: Number seven, this you know, if you get mentioned in a movie and they make a whole scene about you in a movie, you got to be on the list. And that's Ricardo Rincon. Uh, Indians, left handed reliever, uh, very good from 99-02. The A's needed another left-hander. Mike Magnanti wasn't working out. The A's felt that Rincon in the bullpen would be a missing piece. Uh, and you saw the scene in the movie. Billy's on the phone, or Brad Pitt's on the phone, uh, making deals. And it really did kind of go down that way. We're just on the phone, deadline's coming. They gotta make the deal. Cleveland happens to be in Oakland. They're playing the A's that night. Uh, and Billy makes the deal. Ricardo McCone has to go from the Cleveland Clubhouse, walk down the hall to the A's clubhouse. And for 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 Ricardo, it was a little too much to say. He wasn't ready to play that night. He's a little bit of a it was this little mental strain for him. But he ends up being a very, very important member of the A's bullpen through 2005. He was a really good playoff pitcher for the A's, except for Todd Walker uh, in the o- 3 ALDS, who rumored against him in Game 1 and Game 4. But Ricardo and Cohen, uh good Indian and a really good A. It,
0: it, it, the, 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 it, it's just crazy to think. yeah, like Because we know both clubhouses. It's just crazy to think where the manager's going to come up and go, hey, you need to go play for the other guys. <laughs> and you need to pack up all your stuff your you know, your essentials, your deodorant, your whatever you got in your locker, and you need to pack that up and you need to walk X amount of feet over to the – you got a new team. I mean, that's – it's just <laughs> – only in baseball.
2: Yeah. You know, we saw it just uh, a week and a half ago with Kendall Graveman when he got traded from the Mariners to the Astros, and the Astros were in Seattle at the time. And now here's Graveman on the field in an Astro uniform holding a press conference where he was just a mariner fifteen minutes before. It's amazing. Only in baseball does that happen.
0: Number six.
2: Number six, you know, Field of Dreams game is this week, is tomorrow. Uh, and and we've mentioned this before. He he was in the movie. He had a big starring role, and that's Ron Hassey. So you could see him in the movie flying out at Fenway Park against Oil can Boyd. makes um, an out, but that's Ron Hassey. Ron Hassey, uh, who came up with the Indians, made his big league debut in seventy eight. Uh, caught Len Barker's perfect game in 1981 uh, he actually would go on to catch Dennis Martinez's perfect game 10 years later in 91 he's still the only catcher to catch two perfect games but a good Indians catcher uh, for seven seasons and he was traded to the Cubs uh, but he came to the A's before the 88 season and perfect compliment to Terry Steinbach the left-handed backup catcher off the bench uh, he was a perfect veteran influence he ended up becoming Bob Welch's personal catcher, and he's also kind of Dennis Eckersley's personal catcher. Even if Steinie had, had started the game, oftentimes Ron Hassey would come in to catch the last inning. A uh, uh, painful example of that is game one of the 88 World Series, where Steinie caught the first eight, and then Hasse came in to catch the ninth. Uh, but that was uh, kind of routine, and he was always with Bob Welch in his Cy Young winning year of Nineteen ninety, he caught all of Bob Welch's starts. Ron Hassey was a very good Indian, but a really, really important member of the Oakland A's.
0: Number five.
2: Number five is the governor, Jerry Brown. Jerry Brown, who is a you know, kind of a Tony Phillips type player, could play a lot of different positions. He was with the Indians from eighty-nine to ninety-one, and he was always a tough hitter versus the A's, especially in ninety-one. In nine games, he had three forty-six against the A's a homer, a double, two triples, eight RBIs. And as is often the case, when you see a guy kill you consistently, that's the guy you want to acquire. And the A's did that. They went out and signed him for the 92 season. And he had a terrific year for the AL West winning A's. Hit peak 287. He led the league with 16 sacrifice bunts. Yes. The A's used to bunt. Tony LaRusso was a big fan of it. Uh, he wow. played every position. Oh did, yeah. You loved the bunt. Do that? Yeah. Yeah. It was allowed and everything. Uh, uh, if you, I guess you go back and you watch some of the playoff games, you'll see Mark McGuire laid out a button. Mark McGuire sacrificing. Um, but Jerry Brown, he played everything with pitcher, catcher, and first base. He was tremendous in the ALCS. He started in center field in game four, and then in game five, in a must win, right? Dave Storr on the mound and Dave Storr pitched a complete game. Jerry Brown went four for four and drove in two runs in that game. So just a really important player, just fit it into a role a winning player on a winning team and 93 second year with the a's didn't go as well it was a bad A's team. He was hurt. He didn't play as many games, but for 92, Jerry Brown, such an important cog for a team to win the West.
0: The governor. I absolutely love it. And I wonder, you know, cause Sandy Alderson admitted on this program that back in the day when he was making trades and uh, he used to look at, uh, he used to look at baseball magazines, baseball, America helped make him make his deals.
2: Yeah, well, you know, you didn't have quite the information, right? And you didn't have all the, the metrics and everything else. It's just kind of what you saw, what you read. So if you saw a player of the AZ ninety one and he just continually hammered you, you're thinking this is a good player. You also had great at bats against Dennis Eckersley. Um so he was always a thorn in the A side. So if you see that, you're gonna go, you know what, we're gonna go get that guy.
0: Number four.
2: Number four is Coco Chris. Ah, He's a very good Indian. Uh, you know, he was in, Coco was actually drafted by the Cardinals and was traded to the Indians in 2002 in a Chuck Finley deal. Finley going from the Indians to St. Louis. Uh, but he came up with the Indians in 2002, Coco did, in August of 2002. And he got better every year. I mean, his first year, he had 260. By 2005, he's a 300-hitter with power. So Coco, really good player. Four seasons with the Indians. He had 287, stole 54 bases. Then after three years in Boston and one in Kansas City, he signs with the A's, and we know about a Dave's career, uh, seven seasons, a re-signing. Signed as a free agent, and then re-signed as a free agent. Uh, And when he was healthy, was a very, very talented player because he could catch the ball, he could get on base, he had some power, and he could steal. And he was really good in the postseason. Um, You know, he had a leadoff home run off Verlander. He had a walk-off hit versus the Tigers. He was an important member of the A's for a long time, and one of those few guys. We talked about who wanted to be with the A's, who chose that the A's is where he wanted to play.
0: And he was the 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 favorite of Billy Bean's kids. And he kept <laughs> resigning. <laughs> and, and, you know, let's face it. As you said, not a lot of guys wanted to play here. Coco loved playing here.
2: He did. He, you know, he's a big Raider fan. And he, he got into the whole Oakland mystique. And, yeah, Coco was a really good fit for the A's. And, you know, those playoff teams – Early in the decade, Coco was such a big part of them. Number three. Another guy was a big part of those playoff teams, and that's uh, Big Sexy, Bartolo Colon. Barty. You know, Bartolo signed with the Indians out of the Dominican Republic at the age of 19, uh, in 1993. So after some years in the minors, he makes his debut in 97. He's an all-star with the Indians in 98. In 99, he finishes fourth in the Cy Young voting. Um, You know, and he was a flamethrower and he was on the mound and he was, you know, it wasn't the tallest guy. I still, still not the tallest guy, but he had that power. Um, and in 2002, he's 10 and 4 at the end in June. And he actually traded to the Expos in a deal that got the Indians Cliff Lee, Grady Sizemore, Brandon Phillips, and Lee Stevens. And that's a heck of a haul for Bartolo Colon to get those players uh, Cliff Lee, Grady Sizemore, Brandon Phillips. You know, all all stars. uh, borderline Hall of Famers in, in Cliff Lee. Um, that's how good Bartolo was. And he actually goes to Montreal and won another 10 games and won 20 games that year. Um, but he comes to Oakland, you know, after some arm injuries and some stints you know, with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And in 2012 and 2013, uh, he's 28-15 and 15 over those two seasons. been an ERA under three. He's an all-star and just a great teammate and a great lovable guy to have around. Catholic Cologne, one of the best.
0: You know, he made well over a hundred million in his career. I remember looking yeah. at that and I was just I, I, I was shocked. And I was also shocked, I'll never forget, getting off the freeway and pulling into the Coliseum and hearing that he tested positive for PEDs. Yeah. And I remember that guy had an all world boiler. It just goes to show. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's not like Melky Cabrera was in the best shape either. It just goes to show we had no idea who was on it and who wasn't.
2: No. And the thing to remember, um, in this last you know decade and a half, the guys who have been suspended in those years, the A's have not failed to make the playoffs. Right? 2012 made the playoffs. Frankie Montas in 2019 made the playoffs. So, Ramon Laureano, I think we're going three for three. I think they still have a great chance to make the playoffs. Number two. And number two is the mule, the guy we love, Ray Fossey. And he just I'll talk a little bit about his Cleveland career. Um, you know, he's the seventh overall pick in 1965, the first ever MLB draft. He's the seventh overall pick out of high school, Marion High School in Illinois. Um, to put that in perspective, Johnny Bench was also in that draft, and he was selected 36th. Ray Fossey was selected seven and Ray was a tremendous athlete to play football, Alabama and bear, Bryant. They wanted him to come to Alabama and play football. You know, bear Bryant says he wants you. It's hard to say no. Yeah. Um, but, but Ray he signs with the Indians and at 20 years of age. Ray makes his major league debut in 1967. And he actually makes it against the Kansas city A's in his first major league at bats against blue moon Odom. It's, you know, again, a little storybook. Um, You know, he really wasn't ready to play yet. He was still a minor league at this point. Spent all 68 in Triple A. Comes up in '69, plays 37 games. Hits his first big league homer off Dave Wickersham of the Royals. Uh, But now 1970 comes around. Ray takes hold of the starting catching position. uh, Hits 307 with 18 home runs. He's an All Star. Wins a Gold Glove. But that doesn't tell the story of that year because that's the year that Pete Rose. Rose Daryl's into him in the All-Star Game. And we've all saw seen the clip. I mean, Ray just gets laid out, right? But x-rays don't show anything because they don't have all the, the fancy MRI machines and, and the equipment that we have now. This is 1970. And so he was his shoulder was so swollen, it hid what was eventually diagnosed as a fracture and a shoulder separation. All right? So he gets diagnosed with a bad bruise, but he's got a fractured shoulder. And this is Ray Fossey, first game out of the All Star break. He's playing. He's in the game. He only missed three games after the All Star break. After fracture, you know, and it wasn't until he fractured a finger in early September that he actually shuts it down. But you know, the numbers tell you the story. Before the All Star break, sixteen homers, thirteen doubles. After the All Star break, two homers, four doubles. I mean, he just had nothing. His shoulder was broken, misdiagnosed, and he only misses three games with it. Uh, Ray's unbelievable. 71, he's voted to start the All-Star game, but unfortunately Ray tore a ligament in his left hand It kept him out, but he still has a very nice year, wins another gold glove. And then after a good 72 season, Ray's traded to Oakland near the end of spring training. You know, this is weeks away from the season starting. He gets traded for Dave Duncan and George Hendrick. And Ray's just, you know, he's perfect for this A staff. Catches 141 games in 73. It works in harmony with with Catfish and Holtzman and Vida. Uh, brilliant. And then 74, he gets injured again. He gets injured doing what? Breaking up a fight between Reggie and Billy North at the Detroit clubhouse. Um, but in the postseason that year, Ray's healthy. He's a big three-run homer in game two of the ALCS versus the Orioles. And then a World Series home run off Don Sutton in Game 5. So, I mean, Ray, this is what we talk about how tough this guy is. I mean, nothing keeps him down, especially just the way he, he's hes hard-headed, but he's also a workaholic, and he's going to play through anything. He's not going to show you any pain. Um, you know, he's so old school um, with the way he played baseball. After 75, he's got no playing time. Uh, at that point, Gene Tennis was catching. Rudy was at first. L. Washington the left. So he gets sold back to the Indians. And Ray, after barely playing in '75, in 1976, hits 301 for the Indians. And of course, he catches Dennis Eckersley's no hitter um, in '77. It's just it's unbelievable. Ray was selected as one of the Indians' 100 greatest players back in 2001. I mean, that is telling you something. And a franchise that's been around since 1901 that Ray was considered one of the 100 greatest players in that franchise's history.
0: Well, we know he's a big deal here, but he's a really big deal in Cleveland. I've been with him in Cleveland. And I mean, when when the team got off the bus, nobody cared. All they cared about was Ray Fossey, all the autographs, they had pictures of him. Uh, And then you walk around the ballpark with Ray. And I actually went with Ray out to heritage park where he has his plaque right next to Dwayne Kuiper. And everybody, I mean, Ray's a big deal in Cleveland, man. People absolutely, they love him. And, of course, we love him, and we miss him. He means so much to all of us. Number one.
2: Number one is the Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley. Um, and, again, we know we know about his A's career. But he started with the Indians, another a high school draft pick out of Washington Union High School in Fremont. Cleveland took him with the, in the third round of the 72 draft. Um, at the age of 20, he makes his Major League debut. In 1975, and we spent three years with the Indians, good years. He was an all-star in 77, threw a no-hitter in 77, um, overall 3.23 ERA. But there was some stuff off the field happening, right? So he's traded to the Red Sox with Fred Kendall at the end of spring training in 1978. And look who the the Indians got. Ted Cox, Bo Diaz, Mike Paxton, and an aging Rick Wise, a 32-year-old pitcher. Uh, Eck was only 23. Um, so really, it was all about getting rid of Eck. And the reason why, and Ray and, and Eckersley has talked about this, uh, he's even joked about it, which is amazing, is it turned out that his best friend on the team, Rick Manning, was having an affair with his wife. So here's Dennis Eckersley coming home and saying, hi, honey, I got traded to Boston, we got to move. And she's saying, nope, I'm staying here with Rick.
0: It's, it's wild. I I mean, it's hard to believe. And obviously these guys still see each other because Rick's still broadcasting for the Indians, right? He is, man. Yeah. And and Eck is really the most, he's one of the most honest athletes I've I've ever been around.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he does. He, He is so honest and he wears his emotions on his sleeves he doesn't hold anything back. Um, and that's why I think he can talk about this because he was always pretty honest about what happened. It was no secret, right? That's why the trade really happened. The Indians knew what was going on. And, you know, Rick Manning had gotten hurt in 77. He was actually staying with the Eckersleys in their house while he was rehabbing. Oh. And supposedly that's where this affair started. Um, and, you know, for Eck, to to get that 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 body blow and then move and his daughter is staying with the mom in Cleveland while he's in Boston and he's still again only 23 so much to take in such a tough time Um, but again he's always been honest about it and him and Rick Manning have have repaired the relationship I I don't know really how close they are they they do have another thing in common they both divorced the same woman because Rick Manning did end up marrying ex first wife but they they divorced as well so they do have that in common
0: (laughs) but (laughs) you know how he turned around his career and 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 defeated alcohol and become one of the greatest pitchers of all time uh Dennis Eckersley because you know for now you're getting into my era you know late 80s to me is my favorite era of baseball and nobody was better than Dennis Eckersley. He was apt. I mean, I wish I would have been able to see Raleigh Fingers in the 70s. Uh, even when Raleigh won the Cy Young, I was still pretty young. Uh, Raleigh is truly one of the great relievers. I think you make a case he's the greatest reliever of all, of all time, but I mean, if you're going to have a Mount Rushmore, X got to be up there when you're talking about all-time closers.
2: Yeah, and the way they changed the role, Raleigh was a multi-inning closer. He was what was called a fireman, right? He would come in. With runners on base, be it the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, it didn't matter. He'd come in and put out the fire started by the starter, and then he finished the game. Where Eck, with Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan, kind of putting this into play, was more of the one inning, start the ninth inning, um, and pitch that one inning. Um, now it didn't always be that way. In '88, he did pitch multiple innings, a little bit more, two innings, but eventually he became that one inning closer, which we're now seeing is more of the standard than anything else. But nobody did it as well as Eck, and Eck didn't walk anybody. He never walked anybody. And the key to being a really top-flight closer, in my opinion, is no walks and no home runs because you know you're pitching in a close game. Uh, If you put guys on base and then you give up homers, um, you're going to be in trouble. And Eck, except for a couple very notable home runs that we all know about, uh, was stingy in the home run department and in the walk department.
0: Well, we're out of time, but what a great list. You knocked it out of the ballpark. Great stuff, buddy. And we'll uh, we'll see you after this road trip.
2: All right. Thanks, Tony.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.